Good evening. Uh, it's really good to be back with you. Uh, I genuinely miss this community. I was uh, on a break for a few weeks, um, but I'm excited to be back, uh, well rested and refreshed, and, and to be with you guys, uh, and excited for the new season. Uh, if I haven't met you, my name's Ollie. Uh, I did meet someone before, just before, uh, prior, and they said, are you a pastor? And I said, why do you ask that? And they said, you're giving off these pastor vibes. So I apologize for that, pastor vibes, if you ever get that. Um, but yes, I am a pastor. Um, I do want to meet you. If I haven't met you, we're going to be hanging out at Macca's as well afterwards or, or just after the service. Uh, we'd love to meet you and, and connect you into this community. Uh, I want to say thank you uh, to all you guys for the way that you've been serving uh, and, and committing to worshipping the Lord together uh, over the past uh, few months. Uh, and I'm excited for this new series that we're going to be looking at in the book of Romans. Uh, for the next seven weeks, we're going to uh, dive into the first four chapters. And I know some of you guys in young adult community groups have been already sinking your teeth into it. And I'm praying, I'm praying that we will be captivated by the wonder and the glory of the gospel, the gospel of Jesus. You know, if you stepped out of your house or if you've opened your phone at all uh, in the last uh, whenever, you will know that we live in a polarized world where one side seems to be always uh, pitted against or, or uh, opposed against another. Liberal versus labor or conservative versus radical. Uh, CNN versus Fox News. Victoria versus, well, the rest of the country. Uh, politics, race, class, wealth, states. Religion, I mean, can you think of any others? Port, Crows, Holden, Ford, anything else? Yeah, we, we seem to have this animosity if we, we disagree with someone. We live in a divided world. We all inhabit this polarization. It's the air that we're breathing. For the information age and progressive democracy, the answer to the human experiment was surely that an educated society would come to the same conclusions and we would progress towards peace. Surely after the world wars, after the civil rights movements, the Cold War, the war on terror, the dawn of social media and digital communities and the spread of knowledge that we would get along, that we'd work it out, that we'd find this security, we'd find the answer to our division. The progressives are, are seeking progress and the freedom of expression. And on the other hand, conservatives are seeking the conservation of traditional values and the pursuit of morality. What is the answer? Well, God's word wades through the thick fog of, of spite and, and division and self-righteousness and it, and it diagnoses the true issue that everyone needs. We saw that in the video before. No one has immunity. All have need. The gospel, the gospel is the answer for everyone. The gospel, we believe, is our oxygen mask, our parachute and a plane that is falling to its doom and not just falling but tearing itself up from the inside. We believe the gospel is the answer. You know, we tend to write people off and we stigmatize or even preclude ourselves from need. But what we're going to look at in this series is that the gospel is for everyone. There is one hope. 
one person alone who can save us, the Son of God, Jesus Christ. This is what the book of Romans is about, and we're going to look at the gospel. The gospel is for the doubter, as we're going to look at tonight. Next week, the gospel is for the timid. After that, the gospel is for the pleasure seeker, and the gospel is for the rule keeper. No matter who you are, no matter how bad or how good you think you are, and no matter who you're going to encounter in this life, the gospel of Jesus is the good news for all of humanity. And Paul is not ashamed of it, for it is the power of God. And so tonight we're going to look at the introduction to Paul's letter. And in it, we're going to see the message of the gospel, the credibility of the gospel, the blessings of the gospel, and the call of the gospel. But what I want to hone in on and focus in as we unpack all of this is how this addresses our doubt both for the sceptical person considering Jesus, but also for you, Christian, who wrestles with doubt and are feeling hollow in your faith right now. I've been in that season. I wonder if you're there where you're just feeling this empty shell. You know, the, the effect of such a polarized world has had collateral damage on the church. You know, we're not fools to the fact that many young people in particular are leaving the church. Many of us feel swayed and pushed by what's going on around. We experience this division ourselves and we can be rocked of our confidence. And so God's put it on my heart. And as I was able to take some time away with the Lord recently, there's this um, picture of, uh, that, that's on my heart that I pray for this community. I've been praying for you. Uh, this picture of an anchor. Hebrews 6.19 says, We have this as a sure and steadfast anchor of the soul. It's my prayer for the youth and young adults of this community and for all of us is that we would experience this genuine, grounded, authentic faith that is anchored, that isn't pulled and tossed, but that is firm. Firm and anchored in Jesus. So for each of you battling right now, either personally or you're thinking about reaching your friends, that you would know this absolute confidence in the gospel. It is for everyone. The gospel is for everyone. So I invite you to grab your Bibles. Uh, I want to encourage you to bring a Bible to church. If you don't have one, we want to give you one. Uh, we love for you. We believe that it's God's word. Uh, that is what we need it's God who needs to speak to us and lead us in this community. So please bring your Bibles, uh, bring a notebook, and let's uh, dig deep. Let's dig into God's Word. So I invite you to pray for me, uh, pray with me as we come to His Word tonight. So let's pray together. Our Heavenly Father, we worship you. You are wonderful and glorious. We praise you as we sung before that uh, we are free free in you, that death uh, has been swallowed up, that you have conquered the grave, you are victorious, and so we are just mindful of you now and we praise you. Lord, I ask that you would give uh, me clarity uh, and for each of us a, a clearness of mind that you would speak to us and as we come to your word that you would shape us, you would lead us. And I want to pray especially for my brothers and sisters who are plagued with doubt right now, that um, who may be feeling 
uh, fake or shallow or distant from you, Lord, I pray that you might encounter us in a powerful way through your word and, and meet us. And we ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Emperor Claudius has kicked the Jews out of Rome. Uh, the church in Rome, however, continues to grow under the, uh, with the Gentile, the non-Jewish Christians. Fast forward five years later, the, the Jews are allowed back in, and, and with it they bring this confusion and division, uh, some claiming that all Christians still need to practice uh, distinct uh, Jewish laws and customs. And so into this context, in AD 57, Paul writes this letter to the church in Rome. He hadn't met this church yet, but he's coming to them. And uh, he explains how it is the gospel alone that is the power of God for salvation, both for the Jew and for the Gentile, a righteousness that is by faith in Jesus. That word gospel uh, means good news. If you've been around churches long enough, I'm sure you know that. But it's different to the type of news we seem to be constantly bombarded with. Uh, you may have caught Office star John Krasinski's YouTube show, uh, Some, good Some Good News. I've got a photo up there. Uh, Krasinski, from his home office, he reports in a, uh, a coat and tie and pajamas, shorts. Uh, from, uh, and he takes stories from the internet of moments of, of feel good and uh, celebrating human goodness. And you know what? It's actually really refreshing and funny uh, in a world filled with bad and sensationalized news. But the Apostle Paul isn't going to face shipwreck, beating, imprisonment to share with the Romans a nice story about a girl who, whose prom got cancelled, but instead the office cast was able to throw her a Zoom party. That's not what it is. It's not the good news. On the other hand, you know, good news can come across as sleazy, like a telemarketer selling to you a brand new uh, paper towel made from bamboo that survives up to 80 wipes per sheet. That's right, 80 wipes per sheet, giving you a total of 10,000 wipes per roll. Good news, your shopping bill is going to drastically go down. The gospel is not a sales pitch. It's not a message of, of self-help. It's not another way to, to wholeness. It's it's not like van life, unclutter your life. It's, and it's not even just about forgiveness of sins or the wiping of guilt or feeling better about ourselves. That's not what it is. What is it then? Well, let's read. Come with me. Romans 1 verse 1. Paul, he introduces his, himself in this letter. And he says, Paul, a servant of Christ Jesus, called to be an apostle, set apart for the gospel of God. Firstly, this message was not Paul's message. This gospel was good news from God. Since the fall of humanity from relationship with God, God has been weaving this story of, uh, this great story of redemption, of how he would bring back his beloved to himself. This is God's, the gospel of God. And this message, you see, it would be more than just words. This message would be a person. The person Jesus himself. Verse 2, the gospel of God, which he promised beforehand through his prophets in the Holy Spirit, concerning, in the Holy Scriptures, concerning his son. The gospel is not a sales pitch, it is a person. It's heralding a coming king 
The message of the gospel is Jesus Christ. So any message apart from this, apart from Christ, is not the good news, not the good news. The only way that we will move from doubt to faith is not going to be some clever argument. It's not going to be through getting your mess in order. It's not through some new experience or some, a new message or, or a good night's sleep. We find our anchor in the storms of doubt in the Son of God, in an encounter with Jesus, personal God. Jesus who said to the storm, be still, and it was still. We will still have questions. We may well still experience fear, but nothing else apart from meeting the living Lord Jesus Christ, a personal encounter with him, will satisfy. Now, this isn't some fancy philosophy or religion that we're talking about here as a community. This is about meeting Jesus. We are servants of a king, King Jesus, who laid down his life for us, who rose from the dead. In our polarized world, we would not find its peace apart from an encounter with Jesus Christ. What the radical needs, what the conservative needs, what the poor, the rich, the sick, the wealthy, the middle class, the regular Joe, God's answer is Jesus Christ is Lord. Jesus is Lord. But you know, in the thick of doubt or skepticism, we can often feel like doubting Thomas. If only I could, if only I could see something, if only I could experience Jesus in some way, that, that's what I need to believe. I mean, what gives this gospel legs? What credibility does the gospel have? What makes it credible? Credibility seems to be something left wanting in our information age. How crippling to democracy and civility has fake news been? You know, perhaps most damaging to the polarized world is the way that news and information has been altered and truth suppressed to galvanize our tribes. You know, both the left and the right are guilty of this. Where's the credibility? How does Paul find his credibility in this message? What can we take to the bank to help us anchor our confidence? And so I invite you, Paul opens with his letter, this exact thing. So come with me to verse 2. Now, the gospel of God, which he promised beforehand through his prophets in the Holy Scriptures. You know, if I was Paul, I probably would have said, the gospel of God concerning his son, who have I met, I've seen. But actually what his, what his confidence, firstly and foremost, is the Holy Scriptures. One of the strongest sources of our confidence and trusting the Scriptures is God's self-revelation of himself in, in the Scriptures. God has fulfilled his promises he gave to the prophets. You know, what's so astounding about Jesus is not just the, the record of his miraculous works, which they are, but how completely he fulfilled so many prophecies over hundreds and thousands of years prior. Paul was a Jewish Pharisee. He was an expert in the Old Testament scriptures. He'd come to this place of boldly proclaiming Jesus as the Son of God because 
he came to see as, as the veil was taken from his eyes. He saw that all that he knew of the scriptures, he saw Jesus. He saw it was Jesus, the fulfillment, the cornerstone of everything. Jesus is the serpent crusher from Genesis 3. He's the seed of blessing from Abraham, the lion of Judah, the greater prophet of Moses, the promised king from David, the suffering servant of Isaiah, the son of man of Daniel, the Messiah of Zechariah. Jesus is the fulfillment. When plagued with doubt, I want to invite you to return to God's word, to God's revelation of himself. He wants to reveal himself to you. This word, this Bible has been penned over thousands of years, progressively revealing to us God's plan for salvation through Jesus. He will reveal himself if we earnestly seek him. When was the last time in, when you were facing doubts that you went to God's word? You know, I'm guilty of this, that when things are difficult and when it's hard to process, what I want to do is just numb it and, and binge watch TV or, or play on my phone. Uh, instead of actually approaching God, who invites us to come to him, invites us into his word. And so my encouragement, if you are battling doubt at the moment, to wrestle with God through his word and call out to him and come to him. His holy scriptures, that's the confidence that Paul has in the foundation of this gospel is God's revelation. Then come with me again to verse 3. The gospel of God concerning his son who is descended from David according to the flesh. Why is it important that Jesus was descended from David according to the flesh? And it's just another way of saying in his human nature. Why is Paul talking about this? I want to take you to 2 Samuel uh, chapter 7. Hundreds of years prior to Jesus, God had promised an eternal kingdom with an eternal king. God had said this to King David. He said, when your days are over and you rest with your ancestors, I will raise up your offspring to succeed you, your own flesh and blood, and I will establish his kingdom. He is the one who will build a house for my name, and I will establish the throne of his kingdom forever. And this promise was partially fulfilled in Solomon, David's son, who built a temple for his name. But really, it was incomplete, and Solomon died, and the temple was destroyed. But you see, Jesus, Jesus was to the fulfillment of this promise. We can have confidence in the gospel knowing Jesus truly is the king. The king, and we see this as Paul talks this through, this, the servant king, he came in the flesh, in human nature, riding on a donkey, taking on the weakness of our nature, suffering in our places, our representative. This servant king humbled, who then resurrected in power as the exalted king. So we read verse 4, Jesus was declared to be the son of God in power, according to the spirit of holiness, by his resurrection from the dead, Jesus Christ, our Lord. It's important to know here that what Paul's not saying was that Jesus became the Son of God when he resurrected. Jesus was fully God and he was fully man when he came to this earth. But rather, what he's saying is that in his resurrection and in his ascension into heaven, he was declared or, or coronated to be the exalted, victorious king 
victorious over death. So Jesus came as that suffering servant king in weakness. But then we see this process of exaltation as he rises and he resurrects from the dead. The resurrected king whom Paul himself encountered on the road to Damascus, who Thomas, the resurrected Lord who appeared to Thomas and said, come touch and see. The greatest confidence we have in this gospel is the assurance that Jesus Christ is risen from the dead. You know, so many things can be hard to process or believe or accept, yet the assurance, the witness of the resurrection, it comforts me that it is true. We have this assurance, and this is the assurance that you can have. You know, if Jesus came and he spoke this good message and he died but there was no resurrection if we were to proclaim this good news it might be nice we might accommodate it and and consider it but the fact of the resurrection is what it makes it so controversial the fact of the resurrection secures jesus's exclusive claim to be the only answer the gospel for everyone it's why paul and the other apostles and Christians for centuries have not just been ridiculed, not just they haven't just rejected this faith, but they've been persecuted for it because it's such an affront on everything that we hold on to. Because Jesus is the risen Lord, reigning in power. But you know, as I as I talk about all this, I know that. It can still feel very remote to us. It's like standing on the ship and you can't actually see the anchor because of the deep and the, and the murky waters below or the storm that's raging. And I, I know this doubt isn't just theoretical for many of you, but many, I know your doubts are real and they are present. Maybe you find yourself sick again and you just, You've regressed into mental uh, illness and you're out of work and you're tired and you're spent and you're asking, is, is God really good? You're doubting that. Or maybe you feel yourselves loaded with responsibility and you're doing all these good things for the church and, and around the place, but you're hiding this secret sin, this addiction that you can't shake and you just feel like you're a professional faker. You can't seem to move forward and you're starting to doubt, am I truly saved? Like, Am I wasting this time? Maybe at uni, you're in this group chat and your friends, uh, a, group, a group chat tears shreds out of the church. Friends who used to follow Jesus, who've now walked away and they seem to be more free, more happier, and yet they're angry and antagonistic towards the church. Could they be right? I know some of you have encountered this. Or maybe you're someone who's stuffed up real bad. There's been a moment where you've really, really failed. You know that you've like sinned bad and, and you just think, if, if people at church really know what I've done, they would show me the door. And, and you're doubting your faith, you're doubting your security, your belonging. 
Maybe you're someone who's missed church a few times now and it's getting harder and harder to motivate yourself to come and maybe you can't remember the last time you opened your Bible and prayed intentionally and this has kind of been rotting and eating away at you and God seems to be so distant and and you kind of know all these truths. You've heard us say this hundreds of times, Jesus has risen from the dead, but you're just doubting that doubting yourself, doubting the sincerity. And we've all encountered this doubt. That could be so, so crippling. We've looked at the message of the gospel as Jesus. We've looked at the credibility of the gospels through the scriptures and the resurrection. But where this moves, where I want this to move from theory to the heart, as we see and we understand the blessings and the promises of the gospel to move us from doubt to to a place of being anchored and, and confident we need to claim the promises that Jesus has purchased for us the promises of God and I'm praying will if you are in that place of doubt again these promises of God will awaken and, and soothe your soul and give you confidence let's uh, keep reading verse 5 the gospel of God through whom we have received grace. The grace of God, it's given to us. It's, not, it's, it's something we receive, not something that we earn. Whenever you doubt the goodness of God towards you, remember this. Remember grace is given and it's not earned. But more than that, grace invites us to belong. Verse 6 The gospel of God, including you who are called to belong to Jesus Christ. And Paul's writing this to the church. And we apply this to us. In a polarized world where we're living and breathing in this place where there's constant pressure, constant unending pressure to find your place, to find your acceptance, to find your security. You know, when you, you think we'd leave clicks at high school, but we don't. We're always finding and seeking and hungering for a place of belonging, of acceptance. The gospel assures us you belong. You belong here. Come, come to the arms of a loving Father. This is how Paul describes God. Verse 7, to all those in Rome who are loved by God, grace to you and peace from God our Father. You know, even in your doubts, even when you wonder, God, are you really there? God, why is this happening to me? You know, God, he opens his arms to us and he says, my child, you belong. You're accepted. In your searching, in your doubts, in your hurting, in your suffering, in your failure, God says to us, you belong. You are accepted. This is such a work of the enemy to come to Christians and say that you don't belong, that you failed, you're too far from God, you're not loved. That's garbage. It's as if we're saying to Jesus, dying on the cross, he says, it is finished. And he's like, thanks, thanks very much for suffering for me, but it wasn't enough. It's like Jesus says, it is finished. He's done it. There's nothing more that you add to this. You belong. 
if you come to him, and, and sometimes it's just a matter of just, Lord, I've got nothing. I've got nothing, but all I need is you. He says to us, and this is the assurance that he says, you belong. Nothing can change the reality of Christ's finished work on the cross and Christ's absolute amazing victory in his resurrection. Jesus is alive. He is alive. You know, I'm, I'm not here to tell you that emotions are not real and, or that they don't matter. They do. And I don't just want to come up here and say, stop doubting, just believe, and minimize the pain or the anxiety that you may have. But rather, what I want to do is call you to this place of allowing the truth to lead your emotions, and not the other way around. You know, we live in this world where our emotions and our feelings judges what's true. But when we do that, when we let our emotions and our circumstances lead the truth, what we get is this shifting truth, this sinking sand swayed by different winds that come at us. And you know, if you're in your doubting that you come to this point of turning away from God, where are you turning to? What hope is there in that? What assurance is there in that? Guys, the gospel, the truth, the gospel that Paul builds this letter upon, God, it has to be the anchor. We let this truth lead our emotions. We preach it to ourselves. We remind ourselves in that feeling, in that feeling of doubt, in that feeling of fear. That's where we need to remind ourselves and come back to the truth and let that, and let that move, out, move us out of that emotion to that place of security and belonging. just want you to uh, if you feel comfortable, just close your eyes, and I want you to imagine and picture our relationship to Christ as an anchor. Imagine you're in the ship and uh, uh, picture the anchor at the bottom of the sea holding uh, that ship in place. And I want you to feel in your hearts that pull, that pull on the boat that comes from the waves of doubt and anxiety of fear. Just feel that pushing and pulling. But as you're feeling that, I want you to feel that. Let that pull come up against the tension in the line that is in the anchor. Can you feel that pull? That pull is actually pushing against that tension in, in, a, in a rope that's tied to an anchor that is holding and it will not fail. Can you just feel that tension in your heart that that anchor below is secure? It is firm and it doesn't move. Let me just, I want to read to you this hymn that I read on holidays and I was praying for you guys. It really uh, was... Um, it was on my heart that for all of us that we'd be able to say these words that my hope is built on nothing less than Jesus' blood and righteousness. No merit of my own I claim, but wholly trust in Jesus' name. On Christ the solid rock I stand. All other ground is sinking sand. When weary in this earthly Race, And I know so many of you are feeling that weariness. 
When weary in this earthly race, I rest on his unchanging grace. In every wild and stormy gale, my anchor holds and will not fail. His vow, his covenant and blood are my defense against the flood. When earthly hopes are swept away, he will uphold me on that day. When the last trumpet's voice shall sound, oh, may I then in him be found, clothed in his righteousness alone, faultless to stand before his throne. On Christ, the solid rock, I stand. We are standing on the truth of the gospel and it will not be shaken. So I want to invite you to let the truth and the blessings of the gospel to be the line from the, the ship to your anchor, Jesus. That, that faith that we can hold on, trust that it is secure when the storms come. The gospel is our anchor. But at the same time, the gospel propels us from doubt to a place of calling, to a place of purpose, to a place of mission. The gospel of God that set apart Paul in the same way, verse 5, through whom we we receive apostleship to bring about obedience of faith for the sake of his name among all the nations. So three things as we move to this, this uh, final point, the call of the gospel. This is our calling. Firstly, the fame of Jesus for his name's sake. He alone deserves glory. Later in Romans, we read our lives are called to be living sacrifices Holy, pleasing to him. It's his name. It's why I have the first line of our mission statement here at City Reach is glory to God. That's our purpose, our calling. is the fame of God to worship and enjoy him. Secondly, the fame of Jesus to the nations. This gospel is not for you to enjoy extra comforts. The gospel is for everyone. And we are called set apart for God's gracious mission to reconcile humanity to himself. And so it should be on the heart of every Christian to be concerned with spreading this good news, this declaration of Jesus. As we come to Romans 10, he says, There's no difference between Jew and Gentile. The same Lord is Lord of all and richly blesses all who call on him. For everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. How then can they call on the one they have not believed in? And how can they believe in the one of whom they have not heard? And how can they hear without someone preaching to them? And how can they preach? How can anyone preach unless they are sent, as it is written? How beautiful are the feet of those who bring good news. So the call of the gospel. It is our anchor, but it is also our calling. The fame of God to the nations. I'm looking forward to next week. We're going to look at how the gospel moves us from being timid to not ashamed. Not ashamed of the gospel. And lastly, the call of the gospel is faith that leads to obedience. To bring about the obedience of faith. In verse 7, Christians in Rome said called to be his saints. Or literally his, his holy people. The call of the gospel for every one of us is a life of continual growth in obedience. We make this clear. We're not saved by our obedience. We're not saved by works. We are saved by faith. But this faith moves us to obey 
Jesus. That our lives might be holy, be set apart, a witness to those around us of the glory of God working out in our lives. So I want to ask yourself, I invite you to ask yourselves, where is your faith producing obedience? Where, where are you growing in your obedience to the Lord, the fruit of the Spirit? We want to see that in all of us. And if we can't say that we're growing in any way, we need to come back to the gospel of God and be reawakened that we would move, reconciled to God through faith that he would produce works in us. We will continue to struggle with sin in this nature, but grace never leaves us where we are, as Paul will show us in Romans. And the enemy, he wants to come and sow these seeds of doubt that when we do sin, that we're unforgiven, we don't belong, whereas the gospel will shield us from judgment and it lifts us out of the mud and the mire. But it never leaves us in that mud. Rather, it places us on our feet so that we might go, we might live, we might follow Christ and live for obedience. So when you find yourselves again falling into sin, we remind ourselves of our place and our standing, our clothed in righteousness. But that moves us to want to obey him, obey Christ, to stand up, go again, follow Christ. I want to invite the band up as we close tonight. You know, some of you may be Maybe here and maybe you're you're the skeptic and I I hope tonight you will see with open hearts and eyes to the truth of Jesus and his resurrection and this invitation to you to trust him, to receive forgiveness in this place of belonging with God in Christ Jesus. In a world that is so full of noise, I'm praying that God will come and meet you and speak to you and give you the hope. But I know many of you have been battling with doubt. May tonight, praying you experience the freedom, the closeness, and the assurance of Jesus that you belong to him. That you would know how deep the Father's love for us. That he would send his only son to make a wretch his treasure, that that would be your anchor tonight. That whatever you're going through, whatever doubts you're wrestling with, that you would know and you would meet Jesus again. Not just about him, not just a theory about him, but you would encounter Jesus. And as we all hear this call of the gospel, not to leave us where we are, but he would send us out in the power of his spirit, to his fame and glory to every nation. You know, what we're a part of here, guys, is not just some lovely philosophy, but we're joining with followers of Jesus who have for thousands of years called him Lord and proclaiming this hope to the world, the hope to every heart in distress, the gospel for everyone, the gospel for a divided and polarized world, I'm praying that this community, we would 
find our steadfast security and anchor in Jesus. That we would boast in nothing else but in Jesus risen from the dead. Grace to you, peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Would you stand and let's pray to him now and then we're going to respond in worship. Our Lord Jesus, we come before you and we just lay before you our doubts and we're honest that uh, we felt shallow and fake and distant from you. But we praise you, God, that you have made a way, that you have sent your son, Jesus, that he has purchased the victory for us. Thank you, Lord. Thank you. And I pray that you would awaken in each of us a passion and an adoration and a love for you that overcomes our doubts and overcomes our fears and our sin, Lord, that you would move us to this security that we belong. We belong to you, Jesus. Thank you. We love you. We worship you. Lord, help us to live out this call of the gospel that we would move from doubt to to passionate pursuit of you and that you would be glorified in us, that you, your, for your name's sake, you would make yourself known to those around us. So Lord, we trust you and we cling to you. There's nothing else we can cling to. We come to you. We look to you and we praise you in Jesus' name. Amen.